Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast brought to you by the good people at New Amendment. I am one of your hosts, as always, Stuart Douglas, alongside Nick Stauskas. Nick, man, I'm tired. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm exhausted from this basketball season. I didn't realize how much energy it was going to take to follow along. And now I have gotten into the depths of Twitter and it's a mistake. I think you're, I think you, I thought you were making a mistake earlier when you said you stayed off Twitter and I, I think you're doing it right. Yeah. It's so easy to, to go on a downward spiral. Um, you know, especially when you're you know, cheering for a team like Michigan, who's got a very large fan base. Um, but yeah, man, it, this has been a roller coaster year for for this team, and just being a fan of the team, it's been yeah. half full, half empty. We didn't know where the glass was at one point. It was just, it was all over the place this year. Um, and I feel like this last week of the of you know Michigan's games was just a it was a microcosm of you know what the entire season looked like. Um, and so I lo- you, you hate to see it, but also I loved watching these guys this year. Like it was, I mean, even though we were left disappointed a lot, you know, there, there was, um, there was enough positives to take away where you're like, damn, I, I, I enjoyed cheering for them. I enjoyed rooting for them. I just wish things had, you know, gone a little better for them. Yeah, definitely. We're going to, let's, we're going to get into some of the chatter about the state of the program we've talked about it before and i don't know how much we should we should probably get into it people are not liking juan in this season how it's turned out you know being close right is only counts in uh horse grenades and hand shoes right that's how that saying goes horse horseshoes and hand grenades. i know nick i know nick come on give me his give me some credit there but uh yeah, we'll get into a little bit, but we're going to break down IU first. We'll get into the kind of state of the program, where we see this going, um, and then some Big Ten stuff. But let's get right into the X's and O's. I don't know about you, dude. It feels like the IU game was three weeks ago. It feels like I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm like, oh, my God, we have to talk about IU, the whole IU game. Like I've, I've been talking about it for the last four, eight hours with like family and friends. And literally anybody on the internet, and I feel like I've talked my way out of it, but it was, and then, you know, what, what was it? Illinois before that, right? Like, it, it's, this seems like it was so long ago, but uh, heartbreaking to say the least. They've looked, in my mind, so much better in the way they've executed. They just couldn't quite get over the hump there. Um, we're going to get into what should have happened at the end of regulation. Um, you know, what happened with Kobe and all these things and the play calling and all that stuff. But I thought overall to go into IU where Purdue just turned around like two or two weeks ago and got smacked and a game that Michigan could have, would have, should have won, you know, obviously if they're not in the tournament, you know, consolation prizes are nothing, but that place is tough dude that place is tough and especially at the end of the year when that crowd is that hyped I thought they showed a lot of poise and they built off of this was another stepping stone of progress and so some fans it doesn't mean anything because they're not in the tournament to me that means a lot I I disagree in the sense it would mean a lot if we knew that this entire roster was coming back next year like if well, you if we're gonna get into that. 
but that's a thing. I don't yeah. see. I, I, me personally, I don't see the entire roster coming back. I see a no. good portion of it coming back. Um, but again, I, I do, I do agree with you in the sense that there, it's it's night and day with um, how this team looks and their execution and their ability to compete in games. Um, it's night and day from earlier in the season. They have improved um, a great deal, but. You know, I think I had it written down here. 12 of Michigan's 14 losses this year were by two by less than two possessions or an overtime. And so you put it that way and it kind of confirms how all year we were able to stay positive and be glass half full, even when, you know, things maybe didn't look so great. It's because we would watch the games and be like, damn, they're right there. And, you know, yep. the IU game was another classic example. First of all, I'll say this. I admitted earlier this year I never won at IU. I'm I'm o, I'm zero and two at IU. That is a ridiculously hard place to play. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh yeah, that's that's an easy game to win. Like shame on you guys for not for not. Win. No, no, no. I yeah. fully admit that winning there is probably one of the hardest things to do in the Big Ten. So I tip my hat to them for getting down early, having that place be loud. You know, hostile environment, hostile environment, and then battling your way back to then going. Were they up twelve at one point um, in, in the second yeah. half? So, you know, I, I really tip my hat to them, and there were so many positives to take away from it. It's just, it's so unfortunate that this happens to them time and time again. Like, I feel bad. I'm smiling and laughing, but like, I really yeah. feel bad for these guys because they have done so many good things throughout the year and. Again, you mentioned it that, you know, they're in this place where not a lot of people are happy with Juwan, not a lot of people are happy with the state of the program. And it's crazy because a handful of plays this year going the diff- going a different way could have changed the entire outlook on this team's, you know, potential, ability, the state of the program, whatever you want to call it. Um, and again, that just goes to show you how, how sports in general these days are all about narratives and the smallest things can make the biggest difference in what your narrative looks like. It's, it's all narrative. I was just talking with the buddy. People are going to find the answers that they want to find the answers that they set out to find. They're going to find them. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't leave a lot of nuance, a lot of room for nuance when you're talking about what Juwan is doing. Is Juwan making mistakes coaching for sure? Did Beeline make a lot of mistakes coaching and we still won? For sure. There's a lot of things that we should not have been doing at the end of some of these games, and it still worked out all right. Like, this is very glaring for Juwan this year because of all the close games and all the issues that have happened at the end that aren't always his fault. I think going zone um, and letting Jalen Shafino hit a three, I believe that's what it was, or did they switch with – Hunter. Anyway, sometimes going down. I think Hunter Hunter switched on that one. Yeah, that was a different one. There was another one. Maybe it was earlier in the second half. uh, Miller Cop hit a three or something. I can't remember. There's obviously just some decisions that, you know, hindsight's always 20-20, but don't work out. But there's these narratives that he can't get it done. Okay, fine. We can point these things out. I truly believe that you got to learn from your losses. Like there's no better teaching tool than losing and making a mistake and be like, all right, well, I'll store that back in my head. Like I know not to do that at the end of the game with this player in this situation. 
And continuity is a big part of it, right? Like if you bring back a lot of these guys next year, that's going to be just absolutely massive. But I think with, with narratives, it's like the big narrative right now is Beeline had this program humming and Juwan was uh, given the program with a silver spoon in his mouth and now he's throwing it into the trash can. And I don't know if we have enough time to go into what it takes to build a program. I mean, you are on the beginning end of like really taking Michigan up to the upper echelon, but I saw it for four years from the very beginning. It's insane. And I do not care how many good players you inherit, how much talent you inherit. I really, I really do not care because the way you operate is totally different. The way your players are going to respond is totally different. The way you coach is very different. Like the way you get recruits is different. Nowadays, you're going to have a lot of transfers when a coach comes in um, compared to back then. And and so and even then you want transfers sometimes when you come in and like, I don't want that guy like he should probably leave. So I don't know. It's a very tough conversation to have. But the narrative is he should have been building on the success that Beeline left off with. And that's forgetting a lot of things. And then the major thing for me is how hard it is to actually coach and figure out how to coach like. Yeah, you hired him thinking he was going to be successful, but like the reality of it is, is he had no idea what he was doing in terms of building a college program. It's different from coaching basketball. And that's why you have Phil Martelli. That's why you have that staff that he does. And I believe in that staff. But there's going to be some leeway there. And the question to me is for, for both of us, for everybody, is what's your leash? Everyone's leash is a little different. I think people nowadays, like there's a lot of people out there like yank it, like it's gone. He should be gone. To me, it's, What's who's going to come back next year and what are you going to do with it next year? So like, where are you at roster wise? Who comes back? And then what does that mean for Juwan? And then what do they have to accomplish next year? Because to me, that's, there's no way he gets fired this year, but next year, like there's a real possibility. So before I answer those, let me, let me counter you with one question on your statement that you just made there Yeah. in terms of, so are you saying that overall that you feel there's, there's more issues with his coaching than recruiting or is it just both or what are you saying that you need to like, you know, in general that you're wanting to see more from, from him? Is it the guys he's bringing in or getting transfers or is it just his game to game game planning um, and, you know, rotation lineups, whatever? Yeah. Well, you know, recruiting classes, I think the players are good with, with Washington and Papa, I think Papa, I can't remember his last name. Anyways, slim, Two players, so I think he's obviously going to go into the transfer portal pretty hard, uh, mm-hmm. one would hope. Um, and I would imagine he'll have pretty good success with it. He has in the past. So um, what was your question again? I just talked myself out of it. You, are, you tr- like, are you basically saying oh. he needs to do a better job recruiting or yeah. game planning or both? Yeah, so both. I think both for sure. Um, and the continuity, how to keep players, how to build up freshman and i think that's why you see him playing all these freshmen this year all the guys i think he's going like deeper in his rotation sometimes at least early on this season than he wanted to um coaching i definitely wanted to see him figure it out in terms of like styles and i think he has done that in the past two years like i said watching all of last year was pretty brutal like i was calling all year for like more sets more continuity you know that team with fronds and livers it was easier to throw the ball up and have those guys just kind of work off each other like the Heat do. And I think that's the style he wanted to bring in. And then you realize, like, 
well, that's not going to work if we all are standing around looking at each other. So I need to build kind of a hybrid model where we can have some creativity, but like there's a set structure there for, for 18, 19 year olds learning the game of basketball. And even 20, 21, 22 year olds, like they're still figuring it out. So I have seen a lot of progress there. That's been very promising for me. I mean, the sets this year, I've really, really liked. And I thought they've done a much better job, in the, especially in the second half of the Big Ten, but all Big Ten season, really executing it. So what I wanted to see was progress in those areas, like how to coach kids. And I, I think like maybe he thought like, uh, you know, you were, these kids were going to figure it out. Like he's, he's not coaching 10-year NBA vets anymore. Uh, from the sideline and like having them just to know what all these coverages are and be able to like, all right, go ice or down, like, like, well, all, you know, talking to a guy on the sideline is very different than the NBA than like telling a college kid who's looking at you with like deer, like deer in headlights. So mm-hmm. I think he's tr- figured out how to coach one teenagers in two, in a multitude of ways and two like build up a program, hopefully from the ground up with some freshmen and see where that class goes. Now it, it's the give and take right of having talent. So we'll see what Jet and Kobe do next year and, and even mm-hmm. Hunter, uh, although I'm a little more promising on him coming back. But I mean, d- did he check any of your boxes? What boxes did he check and what boxes did he not check in terms of what you wanted to see this year? And, and then going forward. Yeah. So when you, I mean, in terms of this year, I would say there was progress. You know, we, we just, talked about it five minutes ago from how this team looked in December, January versus how they are looking heading into March, heading into March Madness, the tournament. Um, it's night and day. And so these guys have gotten better in a lot of ways. And if you could guarantee me that, you know, Kobe, Jet, Hunter all return next year, um, I would be... I would be drastically more positive moving forward because I think they've established, um, you know, a good baseline at least for, for this team's potential and what their ceiling could look like just based off of how this last month went. Um, And so also Jalen's another guy that, you know, when he comes back healthy next year, that could be, you know, that could be a game changer as well. We didn't really get to see how, how that shaped up, but, I'm also pretty positive about Doug moving forward. Like I, he turned out to be better than I thought he was going to be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the main issue, honestly, if he could, re- it's it's for me, it's like the power forward position that has been really kind of like a sticky point all year for this team. Not really having a consistent go to guy at that position. Like they'll play Terrence sometimes. They'll play Terrace. You know, you know, Will will get the start sometimes. Um, and neither of them have been able to consistently come in and like make that impact on the game or, you know, do yeah. what they're, you know, they, they never felt like they knew what their role was. And to me, it was just so evident, like when in the Indiana game, um, I think it was the one with 20 seconds left when Kobe threw it into Hunter and um, Hunter get, and, uh, th- and he had kind of a post up right in the middle of the paint. And as he threw the ball, Terrace went from the right wing, cut underneath the basket, and then went to the other corner. And again, he does that as the ball is being thrown in the air in the middle of the paint. And sure enough, his defender just completely sagged off of him. And then as soon as Hunter caught the ball, stripped him, turnover. And, you know, Kobe, ended, Kobe ends up getting the turnover on that, I'm pretty sure, in the stat sheet. And it's it really wasn't his fault. That's I can't even say it's Juwan's fault either because he's been kind of 
having to figure it out on the fly with who to play at the four throughout the games. But that's yep. the issue. Like Terrace has had a lot of positives this year and he's made improvements in a lot of areas. But when they play Terrace with Hunter, that's a prime example of how it just doesn't work sometimes when your best player is a post player and you're trying to get him the ball, you know, in the middle of the paint. And so I, I feel like overall for Juwan, he's one good solid power forward away from putting a nice team together. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's as, as negative as I've been sometimes, or um, as I've sounded on this podcast, it, they're really not that far away from being a contender in the big 10, at least. Um, if you know, that's just, that's just my opinion. Some people after this year might be feeling like, okay, you know, it's time to just, you know, fire Juwan, you know, get rid of him, start from scratch. I, I just don't think it's it's at that point yet. And you said that you don't think he'll get fired this this summer. I don't think he should either. Um, but I, I do understand where the you know where fans are frustrated um, just from the lack of at the end of the day wins that have come out of this. Like that's what it comes down to. Either win or lose. And you've said it on this podcast many times. It's when you win, it covers up a lot of negatives. It covers up a lot of mistakes. Um, and you know, everything seems to be good when your team's winning, but you know, when the ball bounces the wrong way sometimes and you lose those games that, you know, you should be winning, you know, all of a sudden it's, who do you point the finger at? And I think this is one of those classic cases where it's really hard to look at this season. And in my opinion, it's hard to look at this season and point the finger at anyone specifically and be like, this is your fault, or this is your fault. Like it, it really, it's been a collective it's been a collective thing of this team just not getting it done overall. But with that said, a lot, a lot of good, solid, talented players that just haven't quite fit together the right way yet. That's my opinion. No, yeah, I agree. And I, I've, Juwan's not without his faults and, and mistakes. And, you know, when you have a team with a lot of question marks, you kind of roll the ball out there and maybe there's not an answer, but if you pick the wrong answer, then you're automatically judged for it. Even if there's not a right one. Like I do think that playing Terrace and Hunter together at the end of games, I think Michigan state was a little bit of fool's gold. Um, I would lean, especially at the end of games, I'd lean on a Terrence who knows where to be on both mm -hmm. ends of the floor. I mean, even when he wasn't playing well, I don't remember games it was, it was like Rutgers, in Wisconsin, I think he was plus 17 and plus 20 in those two games. Right. Like, and he wasn't scoring, but like he knows how to play and what to do. And I think, I think Cheddar can be the same way. I think if both those guys come back next year and they can complement each other at the four, I don't know if you'll be able to slide Terrence at the three at some minutes. But I think that who complements, let's say Kobe does come back and he wants to go for more for a higher draft pick, Jet's gone. Doug comes back, you get a portal three, and and I think Terrence fits in well at the four there, and I, I think he's a better shooter. He is a better shooter. He showed it his sophomore year. He is a better shooter than this year. Um, he'll be one more year experience, one more year relaxed, one more year into the system. I think he is a good complement there, but I think you also got to play Will because he's going to be developing there, uh, you know, alongside him, and you kind of lead Terrence to be like less of a compliment, put him in position where you're going to, you got to start posting him up more. You got to start making him more of the focal point of the offense because you saw at the beginning of this year, they posted up Terrace. 
and it didn't work out well. He just wasn't quite ready for it. Sometimes it worked out well. Sometimes he, you know, would airball a layup and that's fine. And then they completely went away from it. They're like, everybody knew, like, we're not posting up terrace at all anymore. It almost went down to zero. I think you keep him more as like a, not as a four man, almost like the backup five who we're going to let eat. Kind of like um, uh, Newman, that, that, oh, what's that kid's name? The backup for Purdue that like killed Michigan. I think he had like five for five, 10 points. Um, I can't remember his name, but you know, oh, yeah, he always has these five men just rotating in, right? And I think you kind of keep Terrace in that. Now it's hard to keep a guy like that with with all these rules now, and the, you know the fluidity where where these guys will be able to move. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I do like the complement of Terrence with the four, but all in all, I don't know that was a rant about roster makeup but I bet I think at the end of it like they don't I don't think he has too many choices I think he's got to bring back as many people as he possibly can and just make it work and like the hardball method right it's like everyone knew that two quarterback system was going to work for one year and then the next year it was just it was not going to be great but like hardball is like I don't care yeah. we'll fight it out and see who wins and then the other one will be sayonara later and I'm, I'm fine with that that's the that's the name of the game now so I think you just kind of throw it against the wall a little bit. You just kind of hope that anybody and everybody can come back next year. You just can't see Jet coming back. But I want to ask you about that. Let, let, let's get into that part. I mean, I think one of one of these three, Hunter, um, Kobe, Jet, come back. And let's say uh, Jet's gone. Let's say one of Kobe, although some people don't believe that, one of Kobe or Hunter come back. Your expectations are top half of the Big Ten, 20 plus wins. And if and if Kobe and Hunter both come back with Doug and let's say Terrence of the four, you got Terrence, whoever in the portal, I mean, you should be content. You you should be top two of the Big Ten pro- probably winning it. Mm-hmm. I I I a hundred percent agree. Um and in some ways, you know, the the team has played better in stretches when jet hasn't been on the floor and we we've talked about why that is is sometimes the ball doesn't necessarily move as much it gets a little sticky when when jets in the game with that said jet is an important part of the puzzle in terms of they just need a shot making ability like no one else on the team can really just hit threes the way he can, whether it's catch and shoot off the dribble. Now, Kobe's way more dynamic off the dribble and playmaking, creating than Jed is. But sometimes in basketball, you need a guy that can just reel him off from three. And Jet has been that guy pretty consistently this year, uh, which is why he's in the position he's in in terms of being a potential first-round pick. Yep. Um, I think I think Kobe I think Kobe should stay back, and honestly, I, th- I think Hunter should stay back too. Um, I just I don't see I don't see them getting drafted high enough that it's like a for sure thing that they should leave and and you know go go test the waters. But you know, I also understand that that need and that want to to play at the next level and the eagerness to get there as soon as possible. Um, but if again, if they if they return Kobe and Hunter, um, they definitely got to be looking to win the Big Ten next year with that team coming back and Jalen. But but again, here's the thing: if you're bringing Hunter back, I'm you know whoever's playing at the four, it needs to be someone who can space the four and shoot threes. Because I, I now after seeing it for a full year, it's just it can't be a too big kind of situation out there. Um, 
honestly, this team, like, you know, thinking about our four when I was my freshman year, like we had Glenn, we had Glenn at the four. Like, I think if this team had a Glenn Robinson at third at the four, it would be a completely different scenario in terms of someone yep. who can space the four and shoot threes, but also can just do everything. He could slash, he could offensive rebound, he's a lob threat. He's like, that's what really what they need um, in terms of that four man. But again, it's hard to also recruit because Hunter could leave. If Hunter leaves, then it changes the way, you know, Juwan's going to have to do things, which is hard. It's, it's the reason why college basketball, it's really difficult to build a program. You know, you mentioned we could, we could talk forever about, you know, why it's so difficult to do it. That's that's really the reason is every year it's changing so much with guys leaving, guys transferring, uh, new freshmen coming in, seniors graduating. It's really difficult to stay consistent with it and just have a program on top for a decade, two decades. Um, and this is Juwan's first time doing it. So, you know, I understand how that's that's a tough, tough scenario yeah. for them. I mean, it, I just it's mind boggling that. We can't be pleased with like anything, especially at Michigan. I mean, they wanted people wanted Harbaugh fired. It was like he took less money one year, and now he's now he's like the coach of the year and two back to back playoff appearances. But that's not good enough now. And it's like, dude, I was there for Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. Like, you need to be happy that Harbaugh is bringing you back to like a good place. To 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 say that we expect championships all the time or like Sweet Sixteens are not enough. I, I truly think that's stupid, and and I think it. Mm-hmm. It is a slap in the face to people that work their ass off and and need time to figure it out. And also, like, randomness. <laughs> Think about – Spike talked about it, right? Like, the team uh, – when you left, the team after, I don't remember their record, but they, they weren't very good. And then Beeline had to build it up. And then 17, there, you know, people were questioning Beeline again. And it's like, dude, shut – just shut up. Shut up. Like, these things take time. There's down years – there's down a couple of years. And for like standards, it's a very odd thing. It just we we want to force round pegs into square holes because of like standards, imaginary standards that don't take into context anything to do with what's actually happening inside the program. What pisses me off the actual most is that nor you or me, we have a decent idea, nor you or me have any idea what's going on in that huddle. We have no idea what Juwan is like as a coach. We'd have to go in there and go to practice, spend time game planning with him, months and months of practice, experience games, experience how he talks you off the court, um, and then see how he's improved, like how players command, how he commands respect from players. Nobody knows that, but we can't take that into the part of the conversation. So we just leave it out and then we judge him for results, which I totally understand, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a huge part of the conversation <laughs> It's like how he's actually coached in the team. I, I said that, yes, Bakari and Jeff Meyer and Laval Jordan were a huge part of our success when they came on board. But there was a big part of it, too, that, like, we didn't have the players my sophomore year. We had a shit year. And we and he didn't command – Beeline did not command respect from the players that year, and we didn't respond, and we were preseason ranked, like, 15 or something, and we finished, like, a losing record. And – he, but Beeline was pretty much the same. He was pretty much the same coach for the first four years he was there uh, until he found success. Like, he was very similar. He adjusted some things here and there. But, like, 
it just kind of takes time to build that respect, build that program up, get the recruits. It doesn't matter if you got handed the program or not. Like Beeline's not walking to that door recruiting players for you. It, it, mm-hmm. There's just so much nuance and detail here that pisses me off that we don't take into effect. And it's like, John's a bad coach. Okay, why? Because of results? Do you actually know how he's coaching the team? No. Do you know what his game plan is? What play he called? Like, did he call for an absolute post-up from Hunter Dickinson at the end of that IU game? We don't know. Maybe he said it in the press conference. I don't know. But, like, we, there's so many things we don't know, and yet we want to, like, give answers to. It, it just pisses me off. I, it's it's truly bizarre to talk about sports like that. But that's, like, narrative, right? Like, we all, like, need to have an opinion. That's why we have a podcast. But, like, that's part of what we want to do is try to bring some detail and context to it. But it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the curse of, of the era that we live in with social media and everyone having a voice and opinion. You know, same way 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't schmucks like me and you on a podcast talking about Michigan basketball. It's just everyone really has their opinion and has a voice now. So everything is amplified. And, you know, when you have more and more people talking about things, there's going to be more and more polarizing opinions and, um, Again, when you're at a place like Michigan, it's 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 a lot's always going to be expected. You're going to be held to a very high standard, um, and that's part that's part of what you're signing up for when you become the coach, when you become a player there. Um, at any level, you know, you that's what you're signing up for. So, um, I will say that you know, Juwan, I wouldn't say that his time at Michigan has by no means been a failure because again, like. Sweet 16 last year, like there's 16 teams in the country that were there at the end. Michigan was one of them. And so from that sense, you can't take those, you can't take those appearances for granted. Um, I will say though, that it's, I think Juwan overall, when you look at everything he's done, it's felt a little underwhelming because there's been a lot of close, you know, a lot of close situations or what ifs or, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, but again, it's, you're always, you know, one or two of those games away from having the narrative turn in a positive direction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, all it takes one season is for things to click the way it did for coach Beeline in, in 2013. Granted, you guys had been playing well and doing things and building it for years, but all it took was that year in 2013 for Coach Beeline to reach in, to, you know you know reach the national championship game, and then all of a sudden the next five six years, things really started to you know change for him and the program. And so yeah. while people are upset, I would I would caution them from jumping to any conclusions because they have shown enough positives and Juwan has shown enough good things. He's done enough good things with this team to. At least, at least see the light at the end of the tunnel and be like, you know, th- they are going somewhere with it. Um, so that's 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 my opinion. But at the same time, I'm I'm trying to be positive right now. There was also times, even a month ago, where I'm like, screw this team, and I was <laughs> just so negative. So I, I feel like I'm flip flopping all the time. Um, but what are you gonna do? That's that's sports for you. Well, let me let me give you this. If these things can be very different. One, if these two things, one, Isaiah Todd comes to Michigan for a year, doesn't go to the G league. That would be, mm-hmm. that'd have been unbelievable. Whether he had been good or not, like that's a good recruiting tool to have in your bag. Like a good, good anecdote. Like, Hey, we get guys. And then two is if Terrence Shannon, first team, Terrence Shannon for Illinois 
and he actually goes to Michigan over Illinois at that whole, you know, debacle where uh, Hunter had choice words uh, for the uh, Texas Tech coach, which I absolutely loved on Twitter. If Terrence Shana is on this team, this team is wildly different. So there's mm-hmm. two things that like kind of out of Juwan's control that pretty much seemed for sure that we're going to build up his program and then boom, snatched away from him. So, yeah, there was some weird things with the with the summer classes with Mark Adams. Um, I mean, you're like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. It, it kind of does. Like, sometimes history, you'd be surprised when you go back in history and see about the luck. We talked about it with Jordan Poole shot. And, like, just luck in, in time and place for everything in the history of the world. Isaiah Todd and Terrence Shannon make a huge difference. Now we're talking about Juwan Howard right now. I truly believe that. So, it's just... You got to think of like circumstances a little bit, but that's not fun. It's just obviously it's more fun to just shit on people and give your like generalized opinion and without any detail and just scream like you're Skip Bayless, which who I cannot stand to watch anymore on TV. Him or Stephen A. Can I, I just can't do it. But uh, that's that's something I just don't want to turn into with with this conversation, and it's exhausting to always be like, well. We don't know that. Or like, did you think about it like this? Or um, that's not quite true. Or, you know, it, it's it's so easy to just get caught up in the mix. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. It's Listen, Michigan is still possibly alive. You know, whether you believe that or not, you, you got different reports from different people. But we got the Big Ten tournament. Let's get into, let's go into their games, uh, what their future outlook is, and let's get into the Skyrim report. So whatever happens with Rutgers, you know, some people think that a win over Rutgers is going to get them in. I thought that was crazy, but there's a lot of people, not a lot, but a few bracketologists out there that truly believe that based off of where the metrics are, what that, you know, what a quad one win uh, for Rutgers means in in a neutral territory. Obviously be more comfortable with Rutgers and Purdue winning, winning both of those games, but you know, I don't know with McConnell, what's going on with McConnell. I think he's still, he's back, not in, he's injury free, but uh, Joey Baker's best friend. Um, I think obviously a Rutgers game is, is crucial. You have to win that one, but I truly would believe that you got to get, you got to get the Purdue game as well. And I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that, to be honest. I mean, the, Purdue's not the greatest team right now ever. They're not a number one seed like they're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And I think they match up pretty well against Rutgers. So I'm going to be hopeful until this season's dead, which you might as well just put me on my misery. I'm, I'm exhausted, Nick. You can hear it. I just, my voice just cracked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be in Chicago for the game. So that'll be quite yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that'll be quite the roller coaster ride for you uh, to see those games live. I, I do think on a neutral site like Chicago, Michigan fans do travel. They travel well. Chicago has a lot of alumni. So yeah. hopefully it's more of a home game um, for Michigan. Uh, I feel like they played pretty well against Rutgers uh, the other week um, at Rutgers. Um, I didn't really see anything offensively from Rutgers that made me confident in in, in them. Um, my issue too, my issue is that I feel like the win over Rutgers isn't going to be enough to push them over the edge and get them in the tournament. And I think it's going to take a win over Purdue 
to do it as well. And while it's possible, because of course it's always possible with this team, I just feel like it's also possible that they lose in overtime or double overtime or triple overtime like yeah. they have been all season long and nothing changes. And so that's why um, obviously they can they can beat any team in the Big Ten on any given night. They've shown that they can do that. I just have lost confidence at this point of the year to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen now. Um, but then again, yeah. Michigan in the past, have they've, they've put together – Come tournament time, they put together some really cool runs, um, whether it was winning the Big Ten tournament uh, with that crazy story that they had a couple, you know, what, what, what year was that where like their plane like didn't, they, their plane like crashed or something and then they almost didn't go to the Big Ten tournament, but then they ended up going and won. Yeah. What year was that? Was that 2019? Um, you know, just things like that. Like anything no. is possible. Yeah. Anything is possible at this time of year, but um, I don't know. The my my meter is more leaning towards the the negative side on this one. Um, while they have been fun to watch at times, I'm more so thinking they they might beat Rutgers in that first game. I just don't see them winning against Purdue in the Big Ten tournament unless yeah. Purdue's unless Purdue's checked out. Like we sometimes were in the Big Ten tournament because I, you know, I don't know about you. I personally did not care I, if it again, if our NCAA tournament hopes were on the line, I would care a lot more. But in in terms of my teams, when I was there, not really caring if we were a two or a three or a four, it, you know, I came into the yeah. tournament being like, okay, we're trying tonight, but it's not life. It's not life or death for 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 us the way it would be now hopefully this team feels the pressure feels you know their season on the line and you know really give everything they have especially for dudes like kobe and jet and hunter who may be considering leaving michigan you have to consider like this might be my last these might be my last games you know how am i going to go out uh so that's another thing to another thing to consider but I'm hoping for the best, not expecting the best. Yeah, think that's about my, this. That's my outlook. Well, the best thing for the program is that they don't make the tournament and that Kobe and Hunter come back next year. <laughs> Some crazy real. mind games hey, there. For real, if they if there was an option between you know winning a couple of games right now and making the tournament this year, or guaranteeing that all those guys would come back for next year, but don't make the tournament this year. I would, I would take the loss immediately and have those guys return next year. Because even if you make, even if they make the tournament, realistically, you're they're just, it's a first round exit. Realistically, now there's always the slim chance, but realistically, it's a first round exit. And next year, if you bring those guys back, I feel like there's a more legitimate chance to make a deep run. If everyone's healthy, everyone's on board there's a legitimate chance to make a deep run. And I just don't see them having a chance to do that this year. Yeah. I think if you went to Juwan, you're like, you have to pay us a hundred thousand dollars and we'll guarantee you that they'll come back next year and you won't make the tournament this year. He'd, he'd pay up and take that. He'd, he'd lose on purpose. If that was like the guarantee, I think it's, that's crucial. This and is, I think we'll be killed. I think like we could be killed for that opinion, but I mean, the state of the program this, is what this we're is, really talking about. Right. This is my call right here 
on our podcast to all the Michigan donors and boosters to throw the bag at these guys in the in some form of NIL, NIL deal to make everyone stay. Yeah. I they there's 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 a lot of wealthy folks coming from the University of Michigan and just be just be so kind to spare a couple yeah. of dollars and the program will magically turn around and everything will be great. It's just I gonna think, cost you a few dollars. I think it it comes four hundred and he's basically insinuated this and said it without saying it, but like it's gonna come down to that for him. Like he saw what Blake Corum got paid. I think he realizes he's like the Michigan football money is a little bigger than the basketball money because that it just is like what they can garner from a football program wise, like money wise and attention. It's just bigger. But he saw that and was like, okay, you treat me well. And like, I think I am deserved to be treated. You know, I'll, I'll come back. And he, I mean, he even said like, it was a Wisconsin game. Somebody asked him, is this your last home game? He's like, probably not, but I wasn't like, he wasn't ready to answer any, but he said like, I don't think so. Like verbatim said, I don't think so, which is wild. Now it obviously depends what happens in the off season, but I think you have to show him love. Kobe, maybe not. I think Kobe would probably be a little more driven by, can I get into the lottery next year? Or am I not going to be in the lottery this year? Can I, you know, get first team all big 10 and really make a name for myself and get in like the top seven of draft picks. Um, I think that'll be more important, but it would obviously help for him to be shown some love as well. I mean, we're always a little biased. Like you got to, you got to show Kobe some love there. Um, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird time, right? Like, are you, are you pocket watching your teammates? And I'm, I, you, you have to be right. Like, it's just such a weird, you're doing it in the NBA. You're doing it in professional basketball. Like you're making how much, like that guy makes how much, like you get, you got this deal. Like, what are you talking about? So it happens all the time and it's going to be happening in college basketball, but um, yeah, that's going to be crucial. NIL is going to be super crucial. So who can, (laughs) who can they recruit uh, to figure it out? Because right now it seems like that uh, valiant management or whatever the hell it is. Like hopefully that, Mm -hmm. that new deal, the new um, sponsorship deal will help. But yeah, bottom line is if you could lose out right now, not many term of this year and bring those guys back. I mean, you're doing it 10 times out of 10 in my opinion. 100% 100% agree. It's Van Day Money Talks, another prime example. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for these guys. You, you love to see people capitalizing on the NILs and stuff. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully some good, good opportunities are provided for them. And, and some of these guys decide to return back because I think it could be something special if they do. Um, but then I, again, I also see, I see everyone's, um, I see the other side of things with people wanting to, to test the waters and play professionally in the NBA. It's that's, that's the dream of every kid growing up. Um, yeah. So I, I get it. What going forward, what do we want to see? I mean, last game we had 24 from Dickinson, 19 from Kobe, 16 from Jet, 10 from Doug, and then Terrace and Will had two each. And that was it. That was a scoring for the game. Right. What, what do you want to see offensively and defensively like, we're rooting for them to win the Rutgers game, win the Purdue game, make the tournament. What do you want to see them keep doing? What do you want to see them do a little differently um, on both both ends of the wall? I think Illinois and Indiana, the last two games, Hunter's been, Hunter's been top-notch. He's been pretty spectacular. 
um, efficient. And I'll, I'll give Hunter um, a little shout out here. The defense, the defensive side of things have been great. I think it was five five blocks and three blocks um, over the last two games. Yeah, Trace he's, was under five hundred. He's improved on fifty percent. Yeah. He's he's improved on that side of the floor a great deal, but then also has just been carrying the offensive load for large portions of these games, making big plays. Um, so with him playing the way he is, and you know him being, what was he second? He was the coach of selection, second team, All Big Ten media, first team. Like you got to ride him at this point. You got to ride him at this point and keep feeding him. Like if he's going to be putting up games where. You know, he's 14 for 21 from the field, 10 for 17 from the field. Like, you're not getting any more efficient than that. Um, And granted, the guard play has also been good. Like, Kobe obviously has been, you know, doing his thing out there and having Jet back has been nice. He's been hitting some shots. Um, But I think at this point, it's it's how far is Hunter going to take them? Um, And even the game against Wisconsin, like at the end of the day, it was was Hunter saving the day with his his Hail Mary three. And... I think that just kind of goes for their season at this point. Like their only shot at moving forward is him kind of just single-handedly willing this team to to victories. Um, not to say they don't have other help; they obviously do. Um, I just think that's that's their shot at this point. And yeah. two is I feel bad for him because, especially um, the Illinois game, like just the stat line: thirty-one and sixteen. It's, it's getting overlooked because they're losing. And even, I mean, even Indiana, 24, 14, and five blocks. Like, for college, those are ridiculous numbers, but they both resulted in losses, so it kind of gets downplayed, um, which I feel bad. I feel bad for Hunter because, you know, obviously he's an incredible player, and there's very few guys that can put up those kinds of numbers. So tip, tip my hat to him. Hopefully we see more of those games next year. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully maybe. we see some some forty twenties next year. I don't know. Would love to see it. <laughs> it's coming if he comes back. It's coming. But uh, yeah, he was a beast. He's been a beast. I still want like I don't know what the play call was. I don't know if it was Hunter's fault or Jawan's. What it was at the end of regulation against IU, it a thousand percent should have gone down into Hunter. No questions asked. Should have been set up that way. I thought Hunter actually did call for it in the post. He, he like pointed at Kobe to throw it to Jet on the wing, so for like an easier entry into the post for for Hunter. And then he just went up and set a ball screen for Jet. Just relented. So I don't know if that was on him or coach or what. Um, I we talked about it before. Like we wanted to see Hunter be a beast. There was games where he was shooting eight shots, ten shots, and they figured out how to adjust and deal with the double team and then find him his spots to get him more shots. And they've done a really, really, really good job at adjusting to that because it was bad, man. It was really bad in the beginning of the Big Ten season. They were winning some games, but, I mean, eight shots is, is inexplicable. I don't care if you're being triple team. Like, you can find a seven-footer some shots somewhere. So mm-hmm. they've done a really good job with that. I just want to see more and more of it. I want to see more of the 20-shot attempt games. And I think, like, like last year, he helped him carry him through the tournament and beat Tennessee – I mean, he, he dominated them, and I think that's going to be key for them. Um, and especially if you get to that ED matchup, he's going to have to win it, and he's going to have to go just absolute I, – I can't – no, I'm not going to say beast mode. He's going to have to be a monster and figure it out, and it's going to come down to him. But I think that 
The other side of it is getting everyone in the flow of the offense. And I think they've really fine-tuned who they want to shoot and when they want them to shoot. Um, you know, they're not, like I said, they're not posting up Terrence all the time. Terrence isn't getting as many threes before. And, you know, guys just not scoring. Besides the big four there, the scorers, there's only four points outside of them last game. And I think that's how they've game-planned it. Um, and getting Jet into the flow of the offense is key. I thought they did a pretty good job against IU. I don't think there was too much ball stickage, to use a new phrase. And I thought they utilized them pretty well. They could do better. I think they could still utilize them more from um, off-ball stuff and pin-downs. But I don't know. I think they kind of just keep doing what they're doing and just, like, fine-tune everything, right? Like, don't go zone. You know, they got to be better and help side still, you know, Jet specifically and just cut down on mistakes and fine-tune it. And it's like you fine-tune some things, and if you fine-tune enough, that's like four possessions you're not making mistakes on. That could be three to six to nine points. Like, that's a lot. So it's not they're not that far off from figuring it out to the point where they're actually winning these games. So I think it's nothing too drastic that they need to change. I don't, I don't know what you think. Yeah, well, it kind of goes to our whole point where – you know, 12 of their 14 losses have been either in overtime or, or less than two possessions. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here or come up with some complete new strategy game plan for this yeah. team. It, it, they're not at that point. It's a very it's very small details in each Hold game on. that's made a difference. I'm going to cut you off because I want to ask you a question because I got asked this yesterday. When Beeline at the end of the games, because the big question is like, Juwan can't figure out how to run the end of the games. And I said that he needed to simplify it. Beeline's in the game stuff were pretty simple, right? Like your the your year, you won Big Ten Player of the Year. Like it was like, all right, we're gonna put Nick in a pin down or a ball screen or just play one on one. But it was p- pretty much like you're gonna come off a screen and then figure it out, right? Yeah, or where we like we used to run the the rocket pistol action, which was like uh, which was similar to what similar to what this Michigan team is running, where they sometimes have that pin down for Jet and then he comes off of a dribble handoff. That's was pretty much what a, what a rocket pistol action was. Yeah. Um, except it was wow. point guard DHOing to me and then the big man following that DHO up with another screen and then me coming to my right hand. But in my freshman right. year, yeah. We would run it's a great play, but you know, my freshman year it was more so just middle pick and roll with Trey Burke. And was, yep. you just have confidence that, hey, yeah, he'll figure it out. He'll make the right play. And so we kept it pretty simple. We didn't run anything crazy to finish out games, but it also helps when your point guard is national player of the year. You can just be like, hey, go ahead, go figure it out. Um, So, yeah, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to just who you have on the floor. Like, you know, we had a lot of scoring options uh, with some of those beeline with some of those beeline teams. But this team also has scoring options like Kobe can score 20 on any given night. Jet scores 20 on any given night. Hunter can score 20 problem? on any given night. Like, it's, like, you know, they, it's not like they, they don't have options. Like, it's, it's again, the smallest details in, in these games that's making, that's making the difference. And, you know, one or, you know, a couple of these games go the, uh, a different way. Than, like we said, the narrative's completely different. So I don't need, I don't think coming into the Big Ten tournament, you all of a sudden, come you know have this whole new game plan i think you continue doing what you're doing and just sounds messed up but like fingers crossed i hope it, i'd just be like i hope it works you know that's yeah. honestly their best shot right now because they're close enough they're close enough yeah it 
forced two extra pass outs instead of dunks or and two offensive rebounds that turn into like it's just very small. The margins of error are very small. But uh mm-hmm. th- this flows into well to our next segment. So let's get into right now word on campus. We're gonna talk about word on campus. Obviously, the Big Ten um all Big Ten teams came out and what we were just talking about kind of flows into that because Kobe kind of came on later in the year as like an NBA prospect, a real offensive threat, night and night, like a real headache, not an offensive threat, like a real headache. So now it's mm-hmm. like, well, who do we go to? Everyone's going to be upset. Should have gone to Jet there. No, we should have gone to Kobe. No, we should have gone to Hunter that time. So no, everyone's going to have different opinions there. It's almost like it's easier when you have, okay, we got Trey, just give it to Trey. Even though you had Tim Hardaway Jr., even though like you could shoot and like maybe you had a three, like no, you're going to be to Trey. Your year, you won Big Ten Player of the Year. We're giving it to Nick. It's just going to Nick. Like, figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the problem there. Uh, there's always second guessing there. But the Big Ten, all Big Ten teams, um, we had some differences here. I, I literally just had this pulled up. But um, Jet was all freshman team. That's no surprise, along with Hutchifino, uh, Braden Smith. Um, a Asijin, and then somebody else. You think I'd have this pulled up before recording a podcast, wouldn't you? I, I honestly, I didn't have the the four teams written down. I just have all of Michigan's selections. Okay, take it away. Take it away, Nick. <laughs> I'm fumbling Nick, this. Guy. Oh, I don't. I said I don't have that. I just hey, have. Don't Michigan. have them. Okay. No, 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 I just have Michigan stuff written down. Yes. Well, no. Jet was all big freshman, or all freshman team, and yeah. I think honorable mention third team, right by the media. Yeah. So, so with the coaches' selection is the is the one that counts, or is it the media? That's what I'm confused about. <laughs> I love us. We don't give a shit. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about it. I don't which, know. Man. Which I think it's, I think it's media. You somebody, think it's media? Okay. Somebody in the chat. Somebody. Producing this podcast, please help us out. It's media. It's media. Okay, okay. So the coaches, so basically the coaches, the guys that are coaching the players, they don't know their opinion does not matter. Okay, so let's just toss that out then. Not the All coaches, right. which, yeah. Um, I have some beef I need to uh, air out after this. I thought I thought Kobe I thought Kobe was a, was deserving to like I think the coaches got it right with Kobe being third team and I mean they have Jet third team. On the I coaches as well. Him. Yep. But I I don't know. The way Kobe came on the last two months of the year, it was it was really impressive to me. And he really has become a star. Um, even looking at the last game against IU, it was a perfect example of how he's changed as a player. A game where he goes one for seven from three and still has 19 and still yep. has a huge impact on the game. That was not the case a couple months ago. If Kobe was one for seven from three in December, he finished the game with four points and was right. just a complete non-factor. And we saw it many times. Just the ball wasn't going in for him. He, you know, wasn't able to make an impact on the game. And it's changed now. Like you can see his confidence change. Um, you know, his aggressiveness change. And I, you know, we 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 said so many times, but we're like, I'm really proud of him and, and the growth he's made. Uh, it's been it's been fun to watch him. So. From that aspect, I think he got robbed a little bit because honestly, I I might sound crazy. I would have put him on third team over Jet. Like I I think Kobe has had 
I think Kobe has had that good of a season. Um, but people might think I'm also crazy for saying that. I don't know. I just, I really am impressed with the way Kobe's come on. He was media 13, wasn't he? Um, no, media, Kobe and Jet were, were honorable mention from the media. They were third team for the coaches. Oh, okay. That's okay. why I was. That's why I'm confused, and I was like, "Wait, which which one actually is the real, or is the opinion that matters?" Because even like Hunter, Hunter's first team media, so that means he's actually first team, but the coaches only have him second team. Yeah, we can't figure it I out. Think- I don't know. Michigan, even Michigan's Twitter just has it wrong. It's backwards. Kobe's and Jet made third team coaches, but not media, and I think that's ridiculous that nobody in the media would put Kobe on the third team. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. I can understand Jet a little bit, but anyways, especially in the Big Ten play. Um, Hunter, and I don't know, I'm not, my brain is twisted. All Big Ten, first team media, second team coaches, or vice versa. Either way, he's up there. He's deserving. I'm not going to get into like who deserves the awards or not, but I will give you my story real quick, is that I was really pissed off that I didn't make all – Big Ten defensive team my senior year. And mm. Vergolo, I was like, I didn't even make like the coaches uh, team, whatever. And Vergolo, who's a manager at the time, um, he's coaching at Wayne State now. And he told me like, yeah, the coaches don't even vote on those things. Like one of the managers or the video guy like takes it, puts in like what he thinks is probably correct. And then like the coach will sign off on it. And I was like, so he's like, he's like probably defensively, they look at like steals and and like base it off of that so like josh gasser made it over me from wisconsin and the big 10 team i was like this is bullshit like and then and then when vergolo told me i was like oh i don't care anymore (laughs) i really don't really care that's crazy that's crazy that the coaches don't actually sure some do but like that is true yeah so basically you can't be a jerk to any of the managers on road games or you got to be super nice. So you try to get their, their love and they give you a vote. They give you a vote when it counts most. Apparently Uh, I have a more punchable face than Josh Gasser, which is a little (laughs) surprising, but you know, it happens. I didn't know you, I didn't know you locked up on defense too. I'm going to be honest with you. That was, that's what I did, man. That was my role. Trey, Trey would run the offense and I, I play defense. Like, uh, who do you think was guarding Tim Frazier? Me or Trey? Me. Who do you think was guarding That's true. That's anybody true. else? Uh, uh, the, their best guard. That was that was my job. So I gave literally everything to it, and I think it ultimately didn't do me any favors on the offensive side of the ball. But that's what happened. But yeah, that's what I was going for, man. I I, I did want it for a while, but like at the end, I was like, whatever. How do you quantify defense like that anymore? Like nobody really knows what they're looking at, anyways. Yeah, I picking a defensive team is harder than any other category because there's a couple of guys, you know, a couple of bigs that might be averaging two, three, four, maybe even four blocks a game. And that's easy to look at and be like, oh, he's a great defender. But past those handful of guys maybe that are able to put up numbers defensively like that, it is very much an eye test. And it is subjective to whoever's watching the game, you know, to see who is the best defender. And it's more than just guarding 
the ball. It's, you know, being a great help side defender, you know, being uh, in the right place at the right time, being in the gaps, um, all those kinds of things play into it. So um, it, it's a tough, it's a tough category to select, but I, I feel for you on not getting selected your senior year. Yeah, you wouldn't Even know. I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I honestly didn't know you were a, a lockdown defender. I just also assume like in Boston last year, this is going to sound bad, but in, with the Celtics last year, we had a joke, um, mainly from the white guys on the team. And we called the ATW and ATW was attack the whites. So basically anytime like a white guy was on you, you just go attack and try to go to the basket. Yep. So I just assume most of the time, yep. oh, Stu Douglas, you know, yep. six, white, four, dude. wait, what are you? Six, three, six, four, like six, three, six, yeah. three white guy. Yeah, yeah. We can go at him. That's always oh. my, that's always my point of view. Nick, you should see the rec runs in open gyms in Indiana. Like I'm some bum. And it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. And I will, and it, it actually, this is not a joke. It hurt me in recruiting. Like it was, they all thought all these coaches top to bottom. I mean, Tim Floyd at USC was like, Oh, like you're a little more athletic than I thought. And Kelvin Sampson at IU, uh, actually Tim Floyd thought I wasn't athletic enough for the PAC 12 for the PAC 10. Then told me that to my face said, I'll, I'll hit up Bobby Knight for you at Texas tech. Maybe they'll, they'll figure it out there. And then I get to Michigan and I do testing and I'm like, I'm like in the tops and I probably was the top lateral movement, mm -hmm. like, like defense. And then I play my freshman year and my high school coach watches me at IU and he's like, oh, you're actually a good defender. And I'm like, what is wrong with people? Like, I, I it's not hard to figure like why I'm that white, like I'm that pasty that you think I can't move side to side. It was it was pretty funny and it, it hurt me like for the longest time all my perceptions. But yes, I even get uh, that in rec league. I'll never forget we were playing open gym um, with a bunch of pros and college guys, and I'm getting posted up by Andre Owens. Andre Owens is a legend in Indiana, and one of my buddies is like, "He's not your average white dude," <laughs> and I lost my shit. It was hilarious, and he, he I got to stop on him in the post. And Andre Owens is like two twenty. And I have, that's like 40 pounds on me. Uh, so I felt pretty good about that. But yeah, it's, it's a attack. The white is something you and me have both, both dealt with, I think probably forever, especially like an AAU. It just never stops. I'll, I'll die playing basketball. Well, attack. well, that's the tough part about it is, is once you're labeled as a good defender or bad defender, it's tough to change it because this is what happens when you're labeled as a good defender guys are less likely to try you and go at you. Um, yeah. And so a lot of times when maybe sometimes they could potentially even go score, they don't, you know, they're passing to someone else. Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go try to drive the basket. When you're labeled as a bad defender, now everyone wants to try you. Everyone wants to try to go at you. And so naturally, if people attack the basket 10, 15, 20 times a game, you know, versus you, you're going to let, even if you're a good defender, you're going to let oh. up some, some buckets. Like it's impossible to stop everyone every time. Um, so for me, that was always the hardest battle for me. I, I knew I was never the best defender, but I was always labeled as, oh, not, you know, not quick laterally, you can attack him. And so I always felt like people were just, every time they came down the floor, like they're just trying to attack me and go ISO off the dribble. Well, I'm like, right. yeah, you, 
which eventually I can't, I can't stop them every time. No. And it's exhausting. So like, again, you find the answers you're looking for. It's tiring as hell. Like bias is so hard to overcome in sports in so many angles. I'll never forget. I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little bit, but my, my best buddy, Daniel played at IU and we did our testing um, like all of our athletic testing one year. And it was Mike coach, uh, Mike something. I can't remember, but he came from the NBA and he's seen athletes. He's tested athletes. And we did like VO2 testing, heart rate testing, you know, all your jumping, lateral, vertical, sprints, all sorts of stuff, strength. And he's like, he went to Beeline and he said, yeah, Stuart's your best athlete on the team. And I was like, hell yeah. And I told Daniel and he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, the NBA guy with the NBA strength coach experience said it. I didn't make this up. It wasn't me. But you can't, you can't even overcome it from the people that are supposed to be supporting you. So it is tough. It's something we will die. We will go to our grave with as uh, being, you know, tack the white. It will be, that's, that's funny. I, ATW is going to be a new thing I, I share with my friends. They're going to love that. Yeah, that's why I, I got love for the dudes like TJ McConnell who are who are out there trying to break the mold and trying to lock up. And yep. I think it was a couple of years ago, TJ led the league, led the NBA in steals. And he's one of those guys that had he's to earn it. Like he, he came into the league and look, you look at TJ, you're like, okay. I saw every night, whether it was John Wall or Steph Curry or Kyrie, they see TJ in front of them and they're like, okay, I'm going to have myself a field day today. And yeah. He year in, year out had to earn the respect from everyone around the league to the point now where people know. Oh, yeah. Oh, when I in when when when, you know, the opposing point guard, when when the ball gets inbounded to me, I have to be careful because I know TJ is going to be right behind me as soon as I put the first dribble on the ground. Like he's going to be on my ass. Yeah. And so it takes it takes a lot of hard work to shake that reputation. Um but again, I, I don't blame most people for the ATW mindset. I'm 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 right there with you. I have I share. I'm biased myself. Like if I saw Stu oh, yeah. Douglas on me, I'm no. saying, oh, 40 piece tonight. I'm going. I'm going right to the bucket. Yeah, I I do the exact same thing in rec league. Like you're putting this dude on me. Larry Bird infamously had a quote that said the same exact thing. So, yeah, it's uh there. You know, there's a reason people say it because. <laughs> We'll, we'll leave it at there, ATW. We appreciate you guys listening. That'll wrap up our episode. Uh, I don't know when we'll be back. TBD, I have no idea. We'll follow on this week. Um, we got some more details coming out. I will be in Chicago Friday for the Big Ten Tournament. We'll see if Michigan's playing then. Uh, we got some details about an after party. We got a live podcast session. I think it's 3 to 7 p.m. Chicago time at Over Under Bar. Um, we'll put some more details out on Twitter and blast that out but we appreciate you guys listening as always go follow us uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube rate and subscribe wherever you listen go make comments on YouTube we appreciate everybody listening we'll be back next time see you later